I want to start this morning by sharing with you one of my favorite poems. It's a poem entitled, God Says Yes to Me, written by Kaylin Haught. I asked God if it was okay to be melodramatic, and she said, yes. I asked her if it was okay to be short, and she said, it sure is. I asked her if I could wear nail polish or not wear nail polish, and she said, honey, she calls me that sometimes. She said, you can do just exactly what you want to. Thanks, God, I said. And is it even okay if I don't paragraph my letters? Sweet cakes, God said. Who knows where she picked that one up? What I'm telling you is yes, yes, yes. Let's pray. God, open our hearts to hear your yes to us this morning and each day. Amen. The God I know is one of particular delights. She might know how many hairs are on my head, but what is more relevant is that she loves the way they curl a little bit differently every day. My God winks to me in the sparkle of sunlight on windswept water and slow blinks in the opening and closing of petals on primroses and hibiscus. Not just any water, not just any flower, the ones I know, the ones I sit near and notice. The God I know is not a God I met in books. I know her from noticing. In books, we can learn about God, but it's like knowing about a relative who we see in photographs. We don't really know them until we're face to face, breathing the same air, noticing the curve of their smile and the calluses on their hands. Knowing God is about being with, noticing. And not noticing something mysterious or supernatural. Maybe God is there too. But the God I know is known best when I notice and delight in something concrete. One particular joy. The sound of my child's laugh. The moment when two children I don't know pause on a playground to watch a caterpillar with curiosity and awe. The gentle rumble of a content cat on my lap. The sweet taste of the first fresh corn of the summer. I used to worry that noticing and enjoying these small and particular delights was too simple. God must be bigger than that, or something different. After all, plenty of people notice and delight in the world and do not call that pleasure God. Can I claim that they're missing something divine? Or am I reading into my experience some grand meaning that isn't there? And what feels more pressing, 
what value is there in noticing and enjoying small particular delights when there are people dying of preventable diseases and children cowering from guns at school and hearings about an attempted coup on the television and bills to pay and a car that needs repair and medical appointments to schedule and work to do, so much work to do. Does it matter that God delights in the particular when our world is a mess? When there is so much suffering and so many seemingly intractable problems? Don't we need God to be bigger, stronger, wiser? What good is a God who enjoys particular things about us and our world when it feels like the world is burning around us? There are two lessons I am learning as I ask these questions. The first is that all we ever have is the particular. We can never respond to the problems of our world in the abstract. So finding God in the particular is always and only the way forward. The second lesson is that delight is more powerful than we know. We cannot do the work before us if we do not find the reasons for delight. We think of delight sometimes as a bonus emotion, that cherry on top that we might get sometimes but can probably live without. Laughter and joy, appreciation of beauty, We've been taught that those experiences are near the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That we only seek out those experiences of aesthetic appreciation when our other, more basic needs are met. We live in a society and an economy that undervalue the arts, and especially things focused on bringing delight, like comedy. We always bump into these hierarchies of value, we have essential workers, who we still don't necessarily pay well. We have hard sciences. And even within the entertainment industry, we have professionals and amateurs. We have serious films and silly comedies. I learned recently that when Steven Spielberg was filming Schindler's List, he realized he needed regular appointments with his friend, the comedian Robin Williams. Every week, Robin Williams would do 15 minutes of stand-up comedy over the phone with Spielberg so that Spielberg could just laugh and release some of the heaviness of the work he was doing. Delight, laughter, and lightheartedness are vital to those who are engaged in heavy work. I think we've all actually experienced this if we sit down and think about it. When we grieve, which is hard work, we use poetry and flowers and beautiful music. Every funeral luncheon I have ever attended is full of laughter. The civil rights movement was bolstered by song. 
The movement to protect the environment is led by people like Jane Goodall, who have spent years cl paying close attention to particular places and the creatures living and growing there, and finding delight in what they observe. What we hear in this passage from Proverbs, and what I have experienced to be true, is that delight is essential. It's a core human experience, not an extra that we get if we're lucky. This world is born of delight and sustained by delight, and so are we. Our capacity to take delight in the world and in each other is part of how we bear the image of God. When humans experience abuse, poverty, and trauma, delight is not something we can defer until we are in a more stable place. No, usually it is the joy of laughter, the power of beauty, the experience of being treasured, no matter how small or fragmented or fleeting, it is that that sustains us. Delight helps us survive. Delight gives us the power to escape and recover and heal. Delight can drive us to fight hard for the people and places we love. And ultimately, delight is a far more sustainable motivator than fear. If we care about impacting our world for the better, it is always worth investing time in what brings us delight. Which brings us back to that first lesson that I'm learning. We only ever have the particular. Because we don't love in the abstract. We don't experience delight at the thought of a beautiful sunset or the idea of our favorite ice cream flavor. We experience delight when we stop in the parking lot outside of Rite Aid to watch this sunset happening right now or when we eat this bowl of ice cream and actually notice the flavors and textures. If we're to find power in delight, we need to slow down enough to notice particular reasons to rejoice. I remember a number of years ago now, Moe's started handing out blank thank you cards to strangers all around town, encouraging them to write a thank you note to someone that day, anyone, for any reason. That was such a cool way to slow down and invite other people to slow down enough to experience delight. This world is good, and there is tremendous good in people. When we look for it, we see it, but only ever in the specific. We might end a day feeling like, in general, people are great, but it's only because during that day, we saw that one person who stopped their car so that geese could cross the road. Or the one store clerk who helped a frazzled mom pick up the boxes their kid knocked off a shelf at the store. Or the teenager who held a door open for someone using a walker. 
In the same way, our approach to the big problems in our world can only ever start with the particular. I cannot personally prevent violent white supremacy in our nation. I don't have the power to do that. But I can learn to recognize the specific ways that white supremacy operates so that I stop ignoring it or contributing to it in my day-to-day -day relationships, in my own choices. I can, for instance, listen to black leaders in my community and follow their lead. I can choose to trust that they know more about how to solve the problems in our community than I do because they know more of the particulars. They have been personally impacted in more ways than I have, and they know more specific people who bump up against these problems on a daily basis. I can learn to take delight in the stories and art and laughter and love of people who are not white. Because when I only find delight in the stories and experiences of white people, when I only experience love and joy and laughter among white friends and family, I too easily believe the lie that black lives or indigenous lives or Asian lives or Latinx lives don't matter in the same way. Or when I'm on a neighborhood playground, like I was a few weeks ago, and a white child complains about the bad words that a black child used and says to me, some black kids think their lives matter too much. I can take the risk of speaking up and disagreeing with them, knowing that I am also probably disagreeing with at least one of their parents. I can do my best to offer a different way of interpreting events. Like, you know, sometimes kids learn to be rude in order to feel powerful because other people with power in their lives have been rude to them. To my surprise and delight, that explanation actually did make sense to a 10-year-old. <laughs> that white child immediately thought of a time when he picked up a bad habit from an adult who was unkind to him. Instead of making him uncomfortable or angry, it opened up space for more trust between us. This is one of the reasons that I love Jesus. The God I know is a God who delights in particulars. The Jesus I know invites me to take the risk of moving outside of my comfort zone, to notice and delight in people who are different from me. The Jesus I know beckons me to follow into that neighborhood that I would normally drive past and find delight in the hospitality I receive there. The Jesus I know plops himself down in the middle of an encampment of unhoused folks and delights in the camaraderie and caregiving that I would not have noticed otherwise. The Jesus I know shows up at pride and dances with the person whose parents called them disgusting. 
holding them close and calling them delightful. Friends, there is so much that is hard right now and so much work to do. But above and beneath and before and behind and within each of us is cause for delight. If you do one thing today, savor a moment of beauty. Notice the comfort of a hug. Delight in laughter shared with a loved one. And if the question rises for you, is this worthwhile? Is this meaningful? Is this a good use of my time? Am I enough? The answer from the God I know is always yes, yes, yes. Amen.